Uh, I want to take an opportunity here uh, just at the beginning uh, before we kind of jump into the sermon. Uh, Over this summer, um, we've been meeting during the Sunday school hour, 9.15 to 10.15, and talking with some different organizations and ministries that are in and around um, the Hershey, Hummelstown, Palmyra area. Uh, This morning we had um, Sean Turner from uh, the Catherine Hershey School come and and share a little bit about uh, their their mission and their their program there. Um, We're doing that as a way to kind of become better aware of what's happening around us uh, in our community, who our neighbors are, what are some of the challenges uh, that they're uh, dealing with. And uh, certainly this morning, Sean uh, kind of, at least for me, um, gave some um, information that was just very eye-opening uh, into what some of the, the needs uh, and concerns of uh, our neighbors are. And so uh, it's not one uh, long series over the summer, so each Sunday is kind of its own thing. So if you have a Sunday where you're up a little bit earlier and you haven't been coming, feel free to come. You won't find yourself kind of in the middle of a a lesson series or anything. Uh, So it's an opportunity for us to, um, like I said, become better aware of of what's happening in the world around us. So I hope you can uh, join us for that. Over the summer here, we have been kind of starting to look at some of the, um, <clears throat> the, the bare essentials of uh, a radical expression of faith, a, a form of faith that has helped to uh, shape who we are at uh, Spring Creek Church of the Brethren. We've been looking at um, some things that um, kind of define the Anabaptist a form of faith. Uh, it was interesting in our Sunday school class, uh, Sean shared that he was raised on Long Island in a Baptist church, and when he went to look for colleges, uh, he came across Messiah, uh, and Messiah is uh, associated with the, the Brethren in Christ, which is an Anabaptist denomination, and growing up Baptist, when he first saw Anabaptist, he thought they were against the Baptists. <clears throat> which I've had to explain myself. We're not, it's not about who we're against or anything like that. Um, it's actually a name that was given to a group of radical reformers. Uh, it was an accusation. Uh, you were rebaptizers. Uh, of course, they didn't see that themselves. They saw what they were doing as a first true baptism, believer's baptism. Uh, but that name, that Anabaptist uh, name, is kind of stuck around. And that's part of the the tradition uh, that has helped to shape and form uh, the Church of the Brethren and Spring Creek uh, over the last 175 years of this family of faith uh, being in and around uh, the Hershey area. And so as we've looked at this series, we're kind of breaking this down into three segments. The first one is that Jesus is the center of our faith. The second is that community is the center of our life. And the third part of this is reconciliation is the center of our work. Last week we looked at how Jesus being the center of our life means that we see Christianity, the the walk with Jesus, primarily about learning to grow in the way of Jesus or what we often uh, call in the church discipleship, a growing and a deepening of uh, walk of faith with Jesus, learning to... um, 
be like Jesus in the way that we uh, live our lives, the way we conduct ourselves. We are uh, trying to grow in our understanding, grow in our faithfulness uh, to the call of Jesus. This week we're going to look at how Anabaptists begin to look at Scripture. How What does it mean to uh, be a follower of Jesus? What does it mean for uh, us as a family of faith to open up our Bibles and begin to read it together? And is there um, an emphasis that Anabaptists have as they open up their Bibles? We're going to be looking at that. Everyone has some ways that they come to Scripture, whether they're aware of it or not. Uh, Over the years, I've heard the phrase, um, I just read the Bible and I do what it says. That's a lovely sentiment. Um, I don't think that that is a true statement, that we just do it, um, because it would certainly depend on which part of the Bible you're opening. And are you, you know, uh, there's a lot of, if you read through like the 614 uh, commandments in the Old Testament, I'm going to guess that you're missing at least one of those. And I pray that you're missing several of those because that's, uh, yeah, well, we'll, we'll kind of get there. But um, there's some stuff in, in some of those laws that I would say we're probably not responsible for uh, in our time today. So we're going to look at that. Our own experiences, our own contexts, our own biases uh, enter into how we read and interpret and apply the biblical text. And certainly not all Anabaptists understand every passage the same. Uh, We still bring who we are and our backgrounds and um, our stuff uh, to the scriptures when we open it. And so even though Anabaptists kind of have uh, a general way of reading and understanding scripture, that, that does not mean that we all agree. It does not mean that we don't have sharp differences of opinion in how to apply that text. And if you look at any Anabaptist group, There have been divisions and splits over the years because of uh, interpreting the scriptures, uh, having a difference of opinion, even though we might generally approach it in a similar way. As we look at that this morning, as we look at the scripture uh, from Hebrews, would you pray with me? Jesus, may the words of my mouth, the meditation of our hearts be pleasing to you, O Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. Let me start with a question. I am not looking for anyone's dissertation uh, on on this. Just quick response, first thing that comes to mind. What is the Bible? I heard inspired, I heard God's word. Inspired? A guidebook? Truth? Truth? Somebody comes up to you that unfamiliar with the Christian faith. What is the Bible? Any other thoughts? The best story. Next question, I'm going to ask it, and I just kind of want you to think about it here. All right, I asked, what is the Bible? 
Second part of that question is, what is the Word of God? What is the Word of God? I ask that as two separate questions uh, for a reason. Our scripture that was read for us this morning is Hebrews chapter 1, uh, verses 1 through 4. And the, the writer of Hebrews throughout uh, this, this letter does a lot of work to connect the dots between the Hebrew Bible, what we might call the Old Testament, and um, the followers of Jesus and how they were being called uh, to live out this faith, how uh, what Jesus had done was kind of a, a fulfillment uh, of the Hebrew scriptures. And the the writer begins here in Hebrews, Long ago God spoke to our ancestors in many and various ways by the prophets. Those of you that have kind of browsed or read through uh, the Old Testament, can you think of some different ways that God revealed God's self or revealed God's message in in the Old Testament? What are some, some ways that God reveals himself? Burning bush. Speaking. Speaking. Uh, can you, speaking how? Okay, so some people audibly hear God's voice. Dreams. Quiet wind. God spoke through this, uh, the writer of Hebrews calls out uh, the prophets. The prophets do all kinds of weird stuff uh, to convey God's message. I mean, they're, they're, they're doing funky things. Uh, they're kind of a, a prophetic uh, dramatization of God's will at, at different times. Uh, how about uh, God speaks through a donkey? There's lots of different ways that God is conveying God's will uh, and God's message to the people in the Old Testament. Um, The Bible from beginning to end is filled with different writing styles. There are poems, there are ancient legal documents, there's a theological telling of history, there are letters, there are prophecies, um, and sometimes they're all mixed together. And some parts of Scripture are kind of a, a blend and a mix of all of the, well, not all of those, but several of those uh, different styles of writing. Uh, the Bible is written in all kinds of different ancient um, literary genres, They're all uh, together and they're interwoven. Sometimes they're they're all mixed in and when we read the Bible in English, we don't always get some of the the word plays that are happening in the original language. Um, This is all a part of what our Bible includes. But the writer of Hebrews goes on to say, But in these last days he, talking about God, has spoken to us by a son, whom he appointed heir of all things, through whom he also created the worlds. He is the reflection, talking about Jesus, he is the reflection of God's glory and the exact imprint of God's very being. And he sustains all things by his powerful word. The ultimate revelation of God, the fullest expression of who God is, is seen in the incarnate Son, Jesus, 
co-creator of the universe, the reflection of God's glory, the, the full image bearer. All humans are uh, image bearers of God, but you know, it's, a, it's a distorted, broken image. But Jesus is, is the full image bearer. Uh, John uh, says something similar in, in the prologue to John. It shares similar kind of cosmic grand language where John writes, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things came into being through Him, and without Him not one thing came into being. For John... Jesus is the Word, the embodied explanation of God. And if you want to know what God is like, you look to Jesus. So what is the Word of God? Or who is the Word of God? There's different uh, approaches that uh, Christians over the ages have, have come to uh, read Scripture kind of through. Um, the, the author of a book called Anabaptist Essentials, Palmer, Palmer Becker, uh, kind of narrows these down into four ways that uh, Christians kind of uh, across um, time and uh, across uh, the world have come to understand or uh, approach Scripture. Um, you know, most of us, I don't think, think too much about what method we interpret Scripture. We, we open it up, we read it, there's parts that we understand, there's parts that are confusing, uh, but we may not have a, um, a lens through which we really attempt to understand these Scriptures. We all have what we need, I think, to get started reading the Bible. You can, um, you know, if you can read, you can open up Scripture and start to catch a glimpse of what God is doing. The Bible is not just a book for scholars and academics and, you know, PhD folks, okay? You can open up Scripture, and if you can read, you can start to see what God is doing. But one of the beautiful things that I've found about Scripture is that as you grow, as we move along in discipleship, and for those that are interested in the academic and the, the PhD research and everything, the Scriptures have a depth beyond any other writings, and so the, the deeper you want to go, the deeper you will find uh, the Bible and the scriptures of God. Four quick general ways that some folks come to scripture. Some approach the Bible as though it was flat, that all scripture should be read and applied equally. I think most of the time we see the Bible as an unfolding story, not just a, a list of rules. I, I've never met anyone who actually says, you know, I'm trying to uh, read and apply all of the rules of the Bible. Actually, I know there's a couple books written by people who attempted that for uh, short segments of time. Uh, there's like a, a month of uh, biblical womanhood. Uh, someone wrote a book uh, a number of years ago that tried to follow all of the uh, Hebrew laws uh, in regards to women. Um, I'm going to guess that most of you ladies have not uh, attempted such things. Um, 
There's some bizarre laws. I think it ended up with, you know, she's up on the roof of her house at one point. You know, she's segregating herself voluntarily from different groups of people at, at certain times. And you know, I don't know that we as followers of Jesus are called to follow each and every one of those 614 laws. But some approach it as though uh, the Bible was, was flat. I've uh, appreciated listening to uh, the Bible Project. is a, a podcast series of videos. They have a, a website. And um, one of the guys, Tim Mackey, that helps with Bible Project, helps unpack the idea that the Bible is a unified story. It is, it is connected. Sometimes it's hard to see all those connections. But it is a connected story that leads us to Jesus. The whole point of the story, the climax of the biblical narrative is the life, death, and the resurrection of Jesus. So some folks try to apply, uh, approach the Bible as though you, you have to do every part of it equally. I would say that's probably not how Anabaptists approach Scripture. Uh, another approach uh, is called a dispensational approach. And just real quickly, because this goes down like a whole rabbit hole that we're not going to go to uh, today. Uh, the dispensational approach was an interpretation method that developed in the late 1800s, uh, started by a, a series of visions someone had in Scotland. And, and a man named Joseph Darby began to teach uh, this very specific interpretation model and included his uh, notes in a Schofield reference Bible. Maybe some of you uh, know what the Schofield Reference Bible was. I think it might still be published today, but um, don't generally see too many of those Bibles floating around. But it was widely disseminated in North America in the early 1900s. And it's largely an American phenomenon that focuses on the covenant to the Hebrew people, on the future prophecy and the modern state of Israel. Those are kind of some of the key highlights uh, for the dispensational approach. Uh, and it suggests that there are different historical periods for how to understand and apply God's will. Um, and each of these approaches has pros and cons. Each of these approaches has uh, its impact on the modern church today. Um, and even on Anabaptist groups today, uh, but that's maybe not the way that Anabaptists have historically approached Scripture. The next uh, example he gives is a spiritualized, Christ-centered approach. We're starting to get closer. <clears throat> it focus, this method uh, focuses primarily on the spiritual dimensions of Christ's death. Um, some of the early reformers, Martin Luther, John Calvin, kind of approached Scripture this way, and they had um, a lot of doctrine and theology on uh, justification, on uh, atonement theories, and nailing down all of these theological uh, points was really important for, for Calvin and Luther and Zwingli. And they had certain approaches uh, to what Jesus' death on the cross did for people spiritually speaking. Um, one of the reasons why the Anabaptists kind of didn't go along with the Reformers is because they said our spiritual lives matter, but so does the way that we live our everyday life. 
So Anabaptists have said, I, we think that's important, but that's not the whole. Instead, the Anabaptists and the, the radical reformers have historically opted for a Christ-centered ethical approach. That the life of Jesus, including Christ's death and resurrection, and the teachings of Jesus are at the center of how we read and interpret Scripture. Following what we read out of Hebrews 1, we believe the fullest revelation of God is not actually the Bible. We believe the fullest revelation of God is Jesus. And we read and study and meditate and pour over Scripture to see who Jesus was and is. And so this isn't to say that Scripture isn't really important to who we are. It is, uh, all of the, the Anabaptist groups seem to start with Bible study. Like they gather together and they open up Scripture and that's kind of the, the center, uh, I mean, how their faith begins. But they read their Scripture to see who Jesus is and to see how Jesus lived. So when they would open up Scripture and say, what does this part of Scripture show us about Jesus? Or how does uh, this part of the Hebrew Bible kind of point us in, into what Jesus is going to do. But it's a focus on Jesus' life, his death, his resurrection, the, the teachings, and the spirit of who Jesus is. John 1, uh, like I said, similarly says, the word became flesh and dwelt among us. And so the Bible tells us the story of God's unfolding will and action uh, in human history, in connection with humanity. It, it helps us to see how God is um, revealing God's self over time, how God is working in the world. Uh, the Hebrew Bible gives us the backstory for who Jesus is. Jesus doesn't just like plop down out of thin air, um, kind of unannounced into the middle of human history. There is a whole series of stories and things that are happening, prophecies that are happening in ways that God is working that lead up to Jesus. And then the rest of the New Testament outside of the Gospels is important because it helps us understand how those first uh, followers of Jesus began to live out the ways of Jesus. Paul helps us understand well, what, were the, what were the early Christians, um, how were they living? How did they take the, the teachings and the life of Jesus and how did they practically apply them to their life together? How did they live in the midst of the Roman Empire? How did they treat one another? How did they care for one another? How did they understand what Jesus had done in his life, death, and resurrection? And so we attempt to take seriously the full implications of Jesus' life death, and resurrection. Yes, Jesus died in the place of sinners. And the new life of Jesus and the Spirit's empowerment of the body of Christ is not just good spiritual news for beyond the grave. It is that. 
But not just that. Jesus calls us to love our neighbors as the enemy Samaritan loved the the beaten traveler left for dead. Jesus blesses the poor and the poor in spirit. He feeds those hungry for food and those hungry for justice and righteousness. So one of the centers uh, of Scripture for uh, the the radical reformers, for the the Anabaptists, have, have been the Gospels. We want to understand what Jesus' life was all about. And then we want to read the Old Testament and read the rest of the New Testament and kind of figure out how it ties back to Jesus. That doesn't mean that it solves all of our questions uh, or mean that we all end up with the same interpretation. There are still times where I open up my Old Testament and I read a story and I go, what on earth are these people thinking? What is going on here? And what way does this help point me to Jesus? There's still times where I open that up and I'm like, very confused. But I have this lens through which I want to approach Scripture to see how this might teach me something about Jesus or how this is a, the backstory of Jesus. How does this all get tied in and lead to Jesus? And I think as Anabaptists, we have to take seriously the issue of justifying our Jesus-centered ethical approach reading and understanding uh, the life of Jesus at the center of how we read Scripture with some seemingly very unchristlike parts of Scripture. And sometimes we just, uh, we use the phrase, well, we're just a New Testament church. And maybe that works for you, and that's fine. I struggle with that response myself. There is violence in the Old Testament. There is some... There's some stuff in the Old Testament that is not, uh, that is not rated G, it is not rated PG, it is definitely above that. There's some hard stuff there. And there's not always simple answers for understanding uh, the violence or uh, understanding um, the conquest stories uh, of the Old Testament or understanding some of the, just the weird stuff that happens in, in the Old Testament. But if Jesus is the center and Jesus is the revelation, fullest revelation of God, then I want to read my Bible and I want to see how this might point me to Jesus. I'm not sure that any of our human approaches to the text completely make sense of everything, and we all have blind spots. But for those radical reformers who became Anabaptists, reading and studying Scripture became a fundamental part of their lives. They wanted to discover what Jesus was like and what Jesus really taught. They'd grown tired of mediated messages from the clergy. They wanted to open up the Bibles and read it for themselves and see what Jesus was all about. 
The invention of the printing press had made the scriptures more accessible to the common people. And when these Anabaptists read about Jesus, they saw Jesus not as just a spiritual hero, but they saw a model for living. So Anabaptist practices of baptism, of feet washing, of nonviolence, of not swearing oaths, uh, to care for the poor and the marginalized, came because they opened up their scriptures and they saw what Jesus was doing. They saw how Jesus lived his life. And yes, they believed that Jesus' death cleansed them from sin and gave them new life but not just so they could go back to doing the same old thing, but so that their lives could be transformed, so they could live out parts of the the kingdom of God in their everyday lives. We live in a time of decreased biblical literacy. Even those of us who claim to follow Jesus sometimes spend little time opening up the text, opening up our Bibles. We believe all of the scriptures are inspired. And to really dig into who Jesus was and is, to see the way Jesus' life and faith and practice were formed. Seeing Jesus as the fullest revelation of God uh, did not historically drive the radical reformers away from Scripture. It drove them to read their Scriptures more. They were called consistently people of the book. Perhaps more accurate would be to say that they believed they were people of the Word. They wanted to be Jesus' people. And so they read the scriptures to see who Jesus was and how to live out that kind of life. May our love for Jesus drive us back to scripture, to opening up our Bibles to reading the stories that Jesus read, to reading the scriptures that Jesus read, to see how the the Old Testament points us towards Jesus, to to read uh, the life of Jesus, to read the teachings of Jesus, to read the way that he lived his life day in and day out, to read about his death, his resurrection, to read the words of Paul and the early church to see how they were taking uh, Jesus' life and applying it. May our love for Jesus drive us back to Scripture together. Soaking in the Scriptures helps us become, uh, to come to a better understanding of King Jesus into the kingdom of God. Amen? One of the practical ways that the church has followed the teachings of Jesus across the centuries is in the practice of receiving communion. And we continue to remember the body and blood of Christ broken and poured out for us. So as the table is prepared for us this morning, 
I invite you to uh, stand in body or spirit and turn in the blue hymnal to number 360 as we sing, Break Thou the Bread of Life. Would you stand? <laughs>